Good morning, everyone. Have you ever done something and you're like, why did I do that? I did something the other day. This has nothing to do with the message. So I just want to share it with you because I love you guys and I know how infatuated you are with my life. So I just want to share something with you. The other day I was just mowing, you know, our yard and there's a lot of grass clippings in the air. So I got so much, you know, just stuff in my eyes. And so I go, I'll get some Visine. And I'll put it in my eyes. And, I, you know, being at 55, these are, you know, I need my readers now, obviously. Um, So I just looked at, you know, the medicine cabinet, and I saw what I thought were eye drops. They weren't eye drops. They were eardrops. 100% alcohol. Ruth is so compassionate. Ruth. She's dying over here. Ruth, it wasn't funny. I put one drop in my eye and I thought my head exploded. I thought I have never experienced that much pain in all my life. It was just, so I go, those were not eye drops. So then 25 minutes later, after washing my eye out with water, and then the next day, it was just completely just bloodshot. And I woke up the next morning, my eyelid was completely shut just from all the mucus. That's really gross. But And then I had to pry my own. So anyways, I'm better, and I can see. So thank you, Ruth, for your compassion. <laughs> so don't use eardrops in your eyes. doesn't work. Okay. We are, um, we're getting close to finishing our series on the Ten Commandments, and we're just taking a, a fresh look at the Ten Commandments, and are they relevant for today? And what we've discovered about the Ten Commandments is the commandments are an avenue that allows us to enjoy our relationship with God and others. So it's not necessarily something that's restrictive. It's not something that God, all these do's and don'ts that God wants to take things away from you to make your life miserable and joyless. It's actually how we can live in response to God and our relationship with him and live in response to our relationships with one another. The, the question was posed to Jesus, which is the greatest commandment, and Jesus boils it all down, and he kind of gives us the crux of the commandments when he says, recorded for us in Matthew 22, when he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important, to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I want you to notice the context of Jesus' words. He says, you must love the Lord with everything you have. And in that very same thought, he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. Our love for God is paramount to everything else. And so I want you to see, I want you to look at the commandments instead of something of this list that I have to follow. I want us to look at the commandments as something that God desires us to do so that we can love him more and then love one another more. And that's really at the heart of the commandments. Love for God and love for one another are at the core of the commandment, the eighth commandment that we're going to talk about today. Exodus twenty fifteen, very simple, four words. You must not steal. Okay, so we think, duh, 
Okay, we shouldn't take from one another. Is this commandment simply talking about not taking something that isn't yours or just leaving stuff alone that isn't yours? I want you to see this morning there's so much more going on in this particular commandment that God wants us to see, and it has to be based in our love for God and our love for one another. So if Jesus tells us that we must love God with everything we have and to love our neighbors as, as ourselves, then our actions will change. Amen? So if there's a love for God and a love for my neighbor, then it will be evident in the way that I live my life. So the, the, the commandments aren't some chore or some checklist like, oh, look how great I'm doing. I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. But if it's not motivated by love, you're missing the whole reason for the commandments. And this is what Jesus is telling us. This is what we're seeing from the word of God. And so we must realize if we love, if we love God and we love him with everything we have, then this can change our actions. See, love is the source of why we do not steal from someone else. Love is the source. Love must be the compelling thing. Love should be the motivation for why we shouldn't take from one another. Uh, let me reiterate this in the New Testament with the Apostle Paul, he carries his teachings of Jesus and the Old Testament and the commandment as he writes this to the Romans. Listen to what he says here. This is very interesting. He says in Romans chapter 13, he says, For the commandment says you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and the, uh, and, uh, and the other such commandments are summed up in one commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, listen to what Paul says here in verse 10. He said, love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirement of God's law. Notice what Paul's saying there. He's saying, just don't follow it, you know, mechanically like, okay, good. I didn't steal from anybody. I'm obeying God. What Paul is saying here is love does no wrong to others. So love actually fulfills the requirement of the law. When we take from someone else, what we're actually doing is we're failing to love them the way God wants us to. You see how much deeper that goes? It goes so much more deeper. It's on a deep, uh, a deeper level. So let's bring the gospel into this commandment and understand what God did for us to reach us. God's actions towards us are motivated by his love towards us. And these are probably two of my two favorite scriptures that speak to this about God's love and what he did for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. Romans 5, 8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still good, right? No, while we were still what? Everybody say it's sinners, right? He wasn't waiting for you to get it all together before he came to die for you. No, his love, his love is demonstrated for us by sending his son Jesus to die for us. And John, John 3:16, for this is how God loved the world, he gave. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I want you to notice the common thread here. God gives to us. God does not steal from us. He doesn't defraud us. He doesn't cheat us. God is a generous God who sacrificially gave to us at his expense. 
Let me say that again, because that was worthy of an amen. God is a generous God who sacrificially gave to us at his own expense. And everybody said, amen. The gospel message is this. It's good news for this reason. It's that Jesus came to give his life for us and not take from us. Mark reiterates this when he says, for even, Jesus says, for even the son of man, and written for us in the gospel of Mark, for even the son of man comes not to serve, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so I want you to understand that Jesus' sacrifice demonstrates his love towards us. Now, I, I want to take this even a step further. You know, God's love is so much different from the way we love. Our love is usually dependent on conditions. We love people who deserve it. We love people who are nice to us. It's hard to love mean people, isn't it? It's hard to love irritating people, right? It's hard to love people who are not nice to you. I am thankful God doesn't accept me based on my goodness or or I would be an instant failure. God receives me based on his son's righteousness. That is why faith and trust in Christ are so vital. God's sacrificial love is not dependent on my performance. Aren't you glad for that? Gosh, can you imagine trying to win God's love in his favor by our performance? That would be a miserable existence. But it's not based on our performance. It's based on the work of Christ. God generously gives to us even when we didn't deserve it. So this is God's mercy. And this is what mercy means. Mercy is not getting what I do deserve, which is God's punishment. God shows his mercy and his grace towards us by giving his son as a substitute for us, by dying in our place so we could find forgiveness of our sin. So what Jesus does is Jesus comes to serve us, to show us the, to show us the example of ultimate humility by giving his life on the cross for our sins. So I want us to see that God's love for us, I want you to see it as a gift. I want you to see God's love for us as a gift. Salvation is a gift that God freely gives to us by his grace. By his grace. Ephesians 2, verse 8, For God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you cannot take credit for this. It is what? A gift from God. Everything we receive from God is a gift. I, this verse is, I, I love this verse. One of the first verses I memorized as a follower of Christ. But I was watching uh, the U.S. Open yesterday, the U.S. Open in uh, Flushing Meadows in Queens, the tennis yesterday, and there was an American, her name is Shelby Rogers, 28 years old, beat the number one player in the world yesterday, was down 5-2 in the third set, came back to win it. Now, when I love watching the interview. So I was watching the interview, and I'm like, there's something different about her. I wonder if she's a Christian. I wonder if she's a follower of Jesus. I was just thinking about that. So um, I went on her uh, social media pages, come to find out on the top of her Instagram page was this very verse, Ephesians 2-8. So I thought that was pretty cool. I hope she does. Follow Shelby Rogers. I hope she goes far in the, in the tournament. She's doing great. But Ephesians 2.8 talks about everything that God gives to us is given as a gift by his grace. Actually, the word gift there is from the Greek, Greek word doron, which it literally means the word gift specifically means a sacrifice. 
So what God does through his love is he sacrifices for you and I, and specifically by giving his son for you and I. It cost us nothing. It cost God everything. It cost him his only son. And so what what God does is he gives freely, not based on conditions. So God's salvation is a gift without conditions. God's love and his gift of salvation is without conditions. He freely gives it to you and I, and by faith, we receive that gift, not as a work. It's nothing that I can do, like Paul says in Ephesians 2.8. It's a gift that God gives by his grace. I remember years ago, I, I don't even know, Kathleen, I don't even know if you and I were married yet or engaged or dating, but we were with my uh, Kathleen's sister and my brother-in-law. We were getting ice cream down at the lake, I think at, at Vic and Irv's or something like that, just getting custard. We're waiting in line, and we, we, order our, um, we order our ice cream, our custard, and then there's this guy behind us who pays for all our ice cream. And I'm like, man, I would have got a Sunday if that was the case. I would have got a hot foot Sunday, an extra large one. So we're like, we look around like, do we know this guy? And he goes, no, I just wanted to treat you guys. So now your first thought is you're kind of skeptical, aren't you? Like, is this guy going to ask us to get in his green van over there or is something weird going to go on? But the guy just simply paid for our ice cream and then never saw the guy again. And what was interesting about this, it was a total gift. It cost us nothing And what he didn't do, he didn't interview us to see if we were worthy of the ice cream. He just freely paid for our ice cream out of grace. It was a gift. It cost him, but it cost us nothing. That is the salvation that God gives to us through his love. Everything, just remember this in your life, everything we receive from God is a gift. Everything we receive from God, if you can look at your life that way, it will keep your heart grateful towards the Lord. It will keep you from turning inward and woe is me. If we see that everything that's given to us is a gift, every breath we take is a gift of God. Amen? We have so much to be thankful for. So as God has generously poured out into us, we should generously pour out into others. That's why this commandment is so important, because when you take from somebody, you're robbing from them. You're defrauding them when you take from them, and you're not walking in the love that has been poured out upon us through God and his son, Jesus Christ. I like what Paul reiterates here in Ephesians 4, 28, and this is what he says. Really simple. I love this. He says, listen, if you're a thief... Quit stealing. Just just stop it, right? Just stop it. Instead, use your hands for good hard work. And then listen to what he adds here. I like this. He says, and then give generously to others in need. So it's it's not just stopping those bad behaviors or taking or stealing. But what he's saying is if love... Is what is what's compelling you? If the grace of God and the gift of God that He's poured out into your life, if that's in your heart in your life, then you're going to take it a step further. You're going to take it to where I want to bless others. I want to invest in others, and that's exactly what God did for us through His Son Jesus. I like what Tim Keller says here. This is so good. He says, "You have not stopped being a thief, biblically speaking, when you've stopped taking." He says. You've, you, 
you have stopped being a thief when you start giving. Do you see the next step there? It's not just like, okay, I don't take from any, I don't defraud anybody. But if we truly understand the gospel message, we're going to take it a step further where we're going to bless other people. I like Keller's thought here. This is the reason behind the Eighth Commandment. It's more than just taking something from someone. It's a change of heart where I begin to think about how I can actually enrich someone else. You see, God doesn't want us to rob someone and take something from from a company or from an individual for the reason it doesn't reflect the generosity of God and what he has done for you. That's where we have to really guard our hearts. So before God, we're spiritually bankrupt and we don't deserve a thing. And so the richest generosity often comes out of the deepest poverty. And so when I realize that I am bankrupt before God and everything that's given to me in my life is a gift from God, my salvation is a gift, uh, his grace and mercy are a gift unto my life, that's when the richest generosity will well up in your life because you are so grateful for what God has done in your life. Aren't you thankful for what Jesus has done for you in your life and how he's saved us? See, when you struggle to be generous with others, When you struggle, listen to me, when you struggle to offer grace, I want you to remind yourself of two things. Remind yourself of two things. And I would write these down if you can. I would, these are good. Okay. So remind yourself of these two things. When you, when you feel like you've been mistreated, when when you feel like people don't deserve grace, I want you to remind yourself of two things. First of all, our debt to God is infinitely beyond our capacity to pay. Somebody give me an amen. That's so good. Our debt to God is infinitely beyond our capacity to pay. And the second thing, our debt to God is infinitely more outstanding than any person's debt to us. That is such good preaching right there. That is good thoughts right there because it's true. It's so true. See, when I understand this, I can see how rich God is towards us with his grace. And so what God does is he's generous towards us. He changes my heart, which causes me to want to give. In fact, the word generous means more than what is required. It means to be lavish, copious, abundant, beyond just the bare minimum. When a person who understands God's forgiveness of our overwhelming debt in their lives, we will begin to be rich towards God in all we do. Jesus gives this thought. He says, the one who's forgiven much will love and give much. See, I think a problem is when we lose sight of being generous and and showing grace towards other people, I think we tend to forget the depths that God went to to save us from our sin. And we have to have a proper understanding of ourselves and our waywardness and what God actually accomplished for us through his son, Jesus. God's generosity and grace towards me will allow me to take the higher road, even when others don't deserve it. You see, when you disagree with someone or they act unbecoming towards you, what keeps you from taking the low road? And we've all gone there before, right? When someone offends us, when someone bothers us, many times we've taken the low road, and that, that doesn't that doesn't work. 
not as a follower of Jesus. See, when you disagree with someone or you act unbecoming towards or they act unbecoming towards you, what keeps you from taking the low road? Here's what keeps you from taking the low road. God's gracious generosity towards you keeps you from taking the low road. You see, as we take communion this morning, the reason why we take communion is not just some religious calisthenic that we go through once a month because we're supposed to. The reason why we take communion is Jesus says, whenever you do this, you do this in remembrance, remembrance of what Jesus did for them. We need to remember that Jesus was the one that washed the disciples' feet. Jesus was the one who took on the role of a servant. Jesus is the one who hung on the cross for you and I. He never wanted us to forget the sacrifice he made for us. So it's not just remembering what Jesus did for us. We need to remember. But then it's applying it to our lives and asking God for his forgiveness and his grace each and every day in our lives. So the reason why we take communion is that we remember and we're, it's an act of worship and gratitude towards what Jesus has done for us. So we remember that his body was given for us. We remember that his blood was shed for us. That Jesus was perfect in every way. That he did nothing wrong, but he became our substitute so that you and I could have a right relationship with God the Father again. And my prayer for you as you take communion today, I know we take communion It's not how often you take it, but the Bible doesn't instruct us on how often we're to take it. But when we do take it, we're, we're to examine our hearts. Paul says to examine your hearts. And my prayer for you here this morning is maybe you're struggling with either generosity. And I'm not just talking about financial generosity. I'm talking about just showing grace towards other people. Maybe there's somebody. Let's just, can we bring it home right now? Let's just bring it home. Maybe there's a family member. Maybe there's a neighbor, a coworker that you are struggling to show grace to. In fact, you're thinking to yourself, I'm so glad that tomorrow's Labor Day because I just don't want to face that person on Tuesday, right? Or whatever it is. Or maybe it's the holidays are coming up and we start talking about Christmas and everything else. And you're like, man, I got to face these family members that I don't want to face because I'm struggling with showing them grace. Let that permeate your heart so much of God's love towards you and his forgiveness towards you that you would begin to pray for that person and ask God to give you the strength and the ability to show grace and mercy when it's not when it's not available, when, when they don't deserve it because none of us in this room deserved his grace either. But God pours it out to us. So let's be lavish. Let God's love be poured into your heart. And then let us be lavish in the way we bless others, the way we show mercy, and the way we show grace towards others. Amen. So as we take communion, I want you to take your your cup and the bread, and we're going to take communion today. And then we're going to close in song and just remind ourselves of, of God's great love today. Remember, just take the... You guys are getting good at this. You guys are getting good at this. So I want you to take the wafer out. Symbolizes the body of Christ that was given for us. And I just want us just to pause, just before we take communion, just pause for just a moment. And I just want us to thank God for his grace. 
and just thank him for his mercy today. Just take just one moment and just pause and just and just thank him for his grace and his mercy. We thank you, Lord. Father God, as we bow our hearts before you and as we hold this wafer in our hand that's symbolic of your body that was given for us, Jesus, you didn't hold anything back from us. You gave everything so that we could be made right in the sight of God. I pray, Lord, that it wouldn't stop with us, that we wouldn't just stop with your forgiveness, but we would let it so permeate our hearts that we would show that mercy and grace to others who so desperately need it. May we be filled with your love and abundancy over and over every single day as we thank you and worship you for what you've done for us. So we thank you for this bread. We thank you for everything you've done for us, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Let's partake of the bread together. As we take the cup, it's a reminder to us of the the blood of Christ. The word of God says that without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sin, of our transgressions. It's through his perfectly shed blood that we can now find forgiveness. He was the perfect sacrifice. He appeased God's wrath. He met all the righteous demands that God required for you and I. And through our faith in Christ Jesus, we can find forgiveness and be made right before God. So we thank you for this cup. We thank you for your blood that was shed for us, Jesus. We thank you that we could not do it on our own. It's a complete act of your grace and mercy and love towards us. We don't bring anything to the table, but you did everything to reach us. And by our faith in you, we receive you, we acknowledge you, we fall down before you, God, exclaiming that you are Lord, that there's no other way to heaven except through Christ. So we thank you for everything you've done for us. Cleanse us anew and afresh today. Renew our minds as we focus on you, Jesus. In your wonderful name, amen, amen. Let's partake of the cup. Amen, amen. Would you stand with me as we just sing this song in closing? Can we just worship the Lord? Can we thank the Lord this morning for his presence and his love? Amen.